This is the On Blast Podcast, week three NFL picks. My name is Sheldon Alexander, once again, joined by my guy, Mr. Matt Russell. Week three of the NFL, we're still here, still handing out picks, everything is still going all right. I mean, I haven't, I haven't like, you know, lost everything yet. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. We are doing all right here on the On Blast podcast. Back to entertain you with more week three NFL picks. Mr. Russell, how are you doing after another wild weekend of the NFL season? I'm okay. I think a lot of people, you know, sort of follow along with, you know, what I do, what we do, et cetera, et cetera, are probably looking for some answers after the Cleveland Browns against the New York Jets happened on Sunday. I certainly <laughs> was myself. And it's funny how the the spectrum or the sort of specter of survivor can just like rain a black cloud on an otherwise really, really good day. Now you haven't mentioned what your record was. I'm sure you had to have done pretty well this past week. I know I did four and one for me on the circa millions contest. No, you, you didn't. Not so much. Oh, okay. I'm going to, uh, the control room scrambles to get the graphic up here oh. last week, seven and nine. 17 and 15 overall um yeah we had we had some we had some we had some interesting games last week we'll say that there's some interesting swings we'll Well, say last week and honestly that's that's such a great point because it's like yeah all of these games man could go either way like i'm sitting there and the early games my two big plays you know we talked about it last week right giants in carolina like Mm -hmm. was big into the panthers also, throughout the week, I tweeted this out on Sunday that like I just became more and more kind of into the Dolphins as yeah. the injury report uh, report for the Ravens sort of piled up, and then I'm sitting there going like, man, like I think that I think the Panthers are going to be good here. Dolphins are atrocious. The you know <laughs> the defense is awful. Tua looks you know a little shook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we get into the second half and everything swings. Like, I don't really know why we even bother watching the first half of these games <laughs> other than the fact that we're just wildly addicted to the entire thing. And I guess also the first true. halves of the games on Monday night were the only reason that we would watch, uh, you know, either half of those games. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm just looking at it and I'm like, all right, just tell me when this stops because, you know, I would just mentioned the Browns game. Like, you know what? We did it, man. Like we we got that game home. Like that, or, or we should have gotten that game home. That game was a win. I'm, you know, my buddies and I are texting like, "Nice work on surviving." Like on to next week. Da 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 da. As like Chubb runs it into the end zone, and it's like, wait a second. Like, why did he run into the end zone? This guy is famous, like quite mm-hmm. literally famous for running out of bounds at the one yard line so as to end the game a couple yeah. of years ago. And now all of a sudden, like the one guy who at least has proven he knows how the clock works, just or so we thought, do it. or so yeah, or so or so he had us believe. And then you still go, okay, it's going to be a two touchdown lead here. And then you know your guy Cade York misses the extra point a week after he won the game with a game uh, with a game winning fifty seven yard field goal. And you're like, my guy's making them from fifty seven. He can't make them from thirty. And you're just sort of going like, how is this actually happening? And of course. A 66-yard touchdown. Uh, you know uh, the one the one thing you can't do is let anybody get behind you. And the Browns' defense just you know red carpets uh, uh, Davis into the end zone. And then of course, why would you ever get an onside kick? Of course, you know we always know the stats. They always fire up the stats like an eight percent chance for an onside kick. And it's like no, no, like 
don't worry, they got this. And of course, once they had that, you knew they were going to march down the field. So apologies to anybody who tried to roll with us with uh, our survivor pick. You know, you lose a lot of these games. You know, we talk about bad beats against the spread. And, and you know, at the end of the day, it's just one loss. Right. Whether it's in a contest or whether it's, you know, in your in your bankroll, so to speak. But the survivor, right, the survivor is the one that you cannot come back from. And so that just like has this black cloud over the rest of for me, what was a pretty decent Sunday. Yeah, we will get to, you know, just the misery that I felt on last Sunday as I'm a Niners fan and watching Trey Lance go down and Jimmy Garoppolo come back and just, you know, not that I thought Trey Lance was going to be the answer and they're going to win the Super Bowl, but at least there was the hope. Jimmy G, I feel like I know what I'm going to get with Jimmy G. So that was an interesting Sunday for me as a Niners fan and as, you know, the gambling just, I mean, I was hanging on for dear life to try to get to seven and nine, just with some of those wild swings that happened last week, which we'll get to individually. But again, for people who might be new to what we do here on this Eon Blast podcast, NFL picks, I'm going to come out here. I'm going to try to give you my take, the Joe Public take, what I'm thinking in terms of which way I'm leaning for each and every NFL game for the entire season. My guy Matt is here, and he's going to give us the information and education on where the line is, where it was, and where it could be going heading into kickoff. The goal is just try to give everyone kind of a lean no matter what, on each and every game. Matt's going to tell me where he thinks I'm way off, where I'll brog, if my thoughts are off, which, you know, happens a lot. But that's the fun of what we do here. As mentioned, last week I went <laughs> a resounding. I'm, hey, I'm going to keep track of it because that's the goal of the show here. Seven and nine last week, 17 and 15 overall. And keep, I mean, we're going to keep tabs on it. We are. I promise you that's what we will do here on this podcast an interesting stat that i saw though was that through the first 32 nfl games against the spread underdogs 16 favorites 16 yeah not an easy deal what, here what, what are we doing here <laughs> it shows like the fun of everything that we're doing here but we begin with the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cleveland Browns, ladies and gentlemen. Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns, Thursday night football action. And I look up and I see the Steelers as four and a half point underdogs at the Cleveland Browns. And I'm looking at this line and I'm just thinking, okay, should I be taking Jacoby Brissett and the Browns by four and a half points? against anybody much less in a divisional game and on a short week are the Steelers just that bad or sorry I said on a short week it's on a short week I don't know where I made where I well, got it's a short week oh, it's a short week for both it's a short week for both yes okay both. see I'm talking myself in circles here this yeah. game just got me rattled early it's got me rattled early already because you know I'm talking about I'm either taking Jacoby Brissett <laughs> favored by four and a half points like that just seems strange to me are the Steelers that bad because I'm I'm leaning on the Steelers in the points here or am I just bitter because Nick Chubb just didn't go down last week and I'm mad at the Browns and I've been mad at the Browns from the start of the season and the player to not be named that just has this dark cloud over me that as a Joe Public dude I'm gonna remain that black cloud over this Cleveland Browns franchise for the whole season and part of me loved the fact that their coach brought out his kids to stand with them on the sidelines in anticipation <laughs> of the victory and then they had to watch the most epic collapse of their dad's career yeah 
Yes, all of those things. And no less, we have to look at that stupid elf in the middle of the field uh, for, what, three and a half hours. Who thought that was a good idea? I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> and honestly, like that was that was part of our discussion when we were talking about Survivor, that Survivor pick going like, it feels like you shouldn't take a team that has just an elf <laughs> right in the middle of, <laughs> of the field. Um, okay, so let's get into the brass tacks and all of this. Okay, like what based on the market and everything that we've learned, now we're up to two data points on each mm -hmm. team, right? We can sort of do our cross-referencing on mm -hmm. point spreads and all that sort of thing. The Browns should be about a three-and-a-half point favorite here, so it's a four-and-a-half point spread. It was a five-and-a-half point spread, and there was even Ooh. some sixes available. So Ooh. immediately sort of mea culpa here i grabbed the plus six with the steelers early on in the week at minus 115 available at a relatively prominent uh sports book uh but now we're down to four and a half and now it's that your favorite little zone there right the no man's land territory Woo! um you mentioned jacoby Brissett, and that's the almost one of the many sort of frustrating things about that game against the jets is the reason or you know one of the reasons to not take the jets beyond the fact that there's an elf in the middle of the field is Jacoby Brissett like, oh man, I'm going to trust my survivor pick with Jaco Jacoby Brissett. Like, what are we thinking? Like, da, 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 what an idiot or whatever. It's like, not the issue, man. Like, wasn't the issue against the Panthers, wasn't the issue on Sunday. And so, okay, are we just now like believers in J Jacoby Brissett as a quarterback because he had two great games? It's like, well, yeah, maybe like in order to win you enough games to kind of tread water here before that dude comes back later on in the season. But like, I also don't really want to lay points with this guy because, you know, that game was a three-point game. Like, it's easy for me to say, listen, we got there. We had a two-touchdown lead. We had a, you know, it, that game should have ended on seven one way or another, whether it was, you know, recovering an onside kick, making an extra point, or just Chubb falling down and never getting into that end zone in the first place. And if that was the case, then, yeah, like, we'd be pretty high on the Browns. Like, yep, took care of business, covered against the Jets, like, da-da-da-da. So I get why we see this line move up. Because the Steelers, you look at them, it's like, okay, this has not been impressive whatsoever. But here I've got, you know, a little bit of statistical uh, action here for you. Uh, you'll recall the last time these two teams played on a Thursday night. Little little quiz for you. What happened? What of significance happened when the Browns faced the Steelers on Thursday night that sent the NFL world quite literally a Twitter um, when a late game circumstance happened? Was that Miles Garrett? That's and your man's Miles Garrett. Just yo, remind me, remind me when we're done to tell you something about that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like, I'm not even making a joke. I can't say it. I actually cannot say it over a microphone in public. But yes, <laughs> okay. wow, it's all, right, all I'll say. the Wait. after dark version of the On Blast Podcast Network. Mm -hmm. um, that la last time that that happened, that was obviously Cleveland winning that game handily, which was even more surprising that Miles Garrett would wallop a man over the head with his own helmet. Uh, but that, of course, was Mason Rudolph. Since then, these two teams have played each other five times, including the playoffs. And the Steelers have outgained the Browns in every single one of those games. And you go, well, Mitch Trubisky wasn't the quarterback. Well, uh, Duck Hodges was the quarterback in one of those games. Mason Rudolph was again back one uh, the quarterback. And by the way, Ben Roethlisberger's decrepit, you know, 
athleticism was the quarterback for a handful of those games, including a playoff loss where they ended up having 500 yards against this Browns defense. This Browns mm -hmm. defense for me through these two games has been wildly disappointing. That was the thing going into last, last week's game. It's like, okay, well, the Browns defense is going to be good enough against Joe Flacco that we don't need to worry about Jacoby Brissett just kind of being okay. Turned out Brissett was decent and the defense was atrocious. They're in the 20s in basically every important category. Again, it's only two weeks, but it's also only the Jets and the Panthers. So when we talk about stats that you know, over the course of two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, basically early on in the season, whether it's me or somebody else talking about these teams, oh, this team's this against the run and this against the pass. I, I feel like we always need to be adding a line. We always, you know, are we grading this on a curve? Yeah. Right. We'll use a couple of examples a little later on, but teams that don't have great numbers, but they played really good teams. This is a team that doesn't have good numbers and they haven't played really good teams. And all of a sudden we're going to just trust this team now to win by margin. And yeah, maybe they do. But it's not like they have had this, uh, you know, had the Steelers number here in the last few years. And you go, OK, well, TJ Watt's not going to play. But I think the Steelers are more defensively than just T.J. Watt. Yeah, they would need T.J. Watt against a particularly good team. They probably could have used him last week against the Patriots, but the Patriots have a better defense than the Browns do. And so that game, listen, it was a three-point game. You know, that game is always going to be close and low scoring. I think this game is going to be close and low scoring. And so, yeah, like maybe the Browns end up winning this game by seven or whatever, but like I wouldn't be wouldn't shock me if the Steelers did the thing where they get the defensive touchdown or special teams touchdown or blocked field goal or something along those lines, right? That turns the game. Maybe not necessarily for a Steelers win. I you know came on last week and said the Chargers money line was the bet that I was looking to make for the Chiefs. Luckily, they at least covered, but didn't cash our you know our first leg of our round robin money line parlay, which mm -hmm. was a bummer. But like, were we wrong? You know, I think the Chargers were the better team that day. They just didn't have anybody who could catch a ball defensively to, you know, make an interception. And, of course, ironically, the one time the Chiefs had a chance to catch a ball for an interception, they ran it back 99 yards. But, like, that's the, you know, the sort of thin, the razor's edge thinness of these uh, results, right? Like, it can go either way at any time. And so when, it's when we're talking about value here, like, no, I wouldn't be shocked if the Steelers, they win this game all the time. These divisional road games after a loss, like, this yeah. is just what the Steelers do. So, yeah, maybe they don't, but, like, money line's fine by me here, plus four and a half is fine by me here when you're talking about the Steelers because this Browns defense I don't think is going to, like, drive Mitch Trubisky crazy by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Give me the Steelers plus four and a half. I'm on board here for the Thursday night action here between the Steelers and the Browns. But let's keep things moving here with the Buffalo Bills, who will be five and a half point road favorites at the Miami Dolphins. And Buffalo Bills Mafia is rolling. Interesting stat here for you. In week one, the Bills beat the Rams by 21. In week two, they beat the Titans by 34. There have been 201 instances in NFL history of a team facing a playoff team from the previous season in each of their first two games. The Bills are plus 55, which is the largest point differential of, ev of any team. That's monster size. I get yeah. it. I understand the bandwagon. The Bills are rolling. Let's cancel Yet, the season. With Super that Bowl. said, Just mail it over to Buffalo. Said, <laughs> you know what I'm going to say here. I think you know me well enough by now. Yeah. This is prime Vegas zone. I am on the Dolphins. Prime hot game in Miami in September. I don't 
quite think Miami will win. I'm not out here saying, hey, take them on the money line, all that fun stuff, but I definitely think they can keep it spicy. And I'm here for the Tyreek Hill talking trash. So give me the points. Dolphins plus five and a half. This isn't even about the crazy like finish that the Dolphins had last week because you can't replicate that. That was an insane sure. finish, an insane game. But in terms of just these two teams in this matchup, where they're meeting up, five and a half points, give me the Dolphins plus the points. What say you, my friend? Yeah, we had an all-time, I might as well just go walk into traffic 30 seconds into the one o'clock games the other day when the Dolphins gave up the kick return, the opening kick return to the Baltimore Ravens to go down seven to nothing. Meanwhile, as the aforementioned Giants and Panthers game, you know, the Panthers got the kickoff and managed to fumble it right to the Jet uh, Giants. They ended up losing by three, the amount of points that the Giants turned that fumble into. And for a long time, it looked like the Dolphins were going to probably just be screwed by the fact that they had given themselves this deficit to start mm -hmm. with, because you don't want to a uh, playing from behind, right? Or so we believed, but at least now he's shown us that he can do it. And so you go, okay, like now we have something. And you say like, okay, uh, they don't want to do that against the Bills by any means. And it's not because of the comeback sort of you know they're not going to ride the momentum of the comeback like into a victory here but it's really more about the difference of this Dolphins team versus teams past right mm -hmm. like it's the speed element yeah. the fact like they can get this thing done with top level talent in the way that like you know last year they're running like Miles Gaskin out of the backfield <laughs> and like you know Devontae Parker like hoping that that's still a thing like ask the Patriots how much of a, a thing Devontae Parker might actually be so this is a different team and you're right like the circumstance here you know you mentioned the heat of miami like i'm sorry that's a real thing like i, I refuse to believe that that's not going to be a real thing because buffalo has had the most comfy situations for these two games that they've had right like indoor game against la a team coming off of winning the super bowl i think you know, you and I talked about like that looked like two teams, one team that had lost with, you know, in overtime the year before and had been thinking about it for months. And the other team that was celebrating getting the, you know, their banner up basically. Champagne and campaign. Champagne yes. and campaign, right? In a dome situation, which is always going to favor the Bills. The irony, of course, is that, you know, come December, they're in out in the snow. This Bills team, as we've talked about in years past, would probably be better off in a dome. Then they get a week and a half off. And then get this Titans team. Like, let's just be honest. This Titans team's shit. Like, it's just not a good team. And, like, <laughs> they just ain't it at this point, right? Yeah. And, like, it, we'll look back on that AFC, uh, you know, one seed that the Titans won last year. And we're just going to be, you know, retrospectively just shocked that that ever happened. Mm -hmm. And so, like, what's the issue with the Bills? Like, how are they going to lose this game? Because, like, that's kind of the issue. Well, one, like, what if Gabriel Davis isn't ready to go? Like, that is going to be a factor. Like, no, it wasn't against the Titans, because guess what? The Titans had arguably their best defensive yeah. back out for that game. But nobody seemed to really care about that, because it doesn't affect, like, fantasy football or anything along those lines. Or, or anytime touchdown markets, for example. We thought we had a pretty good number on Isaiah McKenzie, as a side note. But now they go to now they go to Miami and they're like, okay, Xavier Howard and and Diggs, like that'll probably be a pretty good matchup. Howard didn't have a particularly good game against Baltimore, but I don't think he's all of a sudden just garbage. I think he's still a pretty good corner. I think that could be a pretty good matchup. But on the other side of the ball, Buffalo has been without Trey Trey White and have and have you know rookies back there 
in the secondary. And what that what happened against the Rams is the Rams only had one decent receiver. Obviously, that was Cooper Cup. And he went for like 140 yards. So it's not it like they job. shut that down, right? And then we got the Titans with Ryan Tannehill and like just really kind of a tough group of wide receivers at this point, right? Like I think Burks is eventually going to be something here and he looked like the biggest, you know, danger out there. But like, that's not Tyreek Hill. That's not Jalen Waddle. That's not even Mike Gesicki out for that Titans team. So like, this is a better offense right now than they have faced. This is tougher conditions on a shorter week than that they, than they've had. And all we've seen is the line go up because they beat up on the Titans. Right. Yeah. And again, that was a pretty close game against the Rams, by the way. Right. We talked about that tie game at halftime, you know, t- one touchdown, uh, one score game going into the fourth quarter. So like the score obviously is a little misleading from that first game. So, uh, you know, you mentioned you not necessarily think the Dolphins are going to win this game. Like I kind of do, especially okay. from a price perspective. And, I, and you know, we talk about how like, oh, OK, got Browns plus six. Now it's four and a half. I'll me a cult of this one on the opposite side of things. I grabbed the Dolphins plus four and a half before the games even started last week because if yeah. you know I like the Dolphins going into that Ravens game, I'm like, well, if I'm right about the Dolphins now, then this number is going to come down because I don't see how anybody could be that impressed by what Buffalo does against Tennessee, you know, 24 hours in advance. Now they go and, and they have here we are <laughs> and they hammer the Titans, which is fine. Like, yeah, yeah that's yeah. you know they did what they were supposed to do. They were 10 point favorites in the NFL. Like, you should probably win that game by at least two scores. And obviously it got a little out of hand late. And so I, I, you know, I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm sitting here with four and a half because if it goes to five, I'm not going to beat myself up. If it goes to five and a half, I'm not going to beat myself up. But if this drops to four or God forbid, three and a half or three, then like, yeah, I'm going to be bummed out. So let's grab the four and a half while we can. Well, you know what, here we are and it's five and a half. And I lost the number, the key number of five, obviously, as we know, just based on numbers, key numbers and all that sort of thing, we're going to want to wait and see if we can get six here out there for the Dolphins. That's obviously a big number when it comes to if this game happens to go to overtime and all of that sort of thing, right? That's just good betting. And the way that people are just mailing the Super Bowl here to Buffalo, I, you know, I wouldn't (laughs) be shocked if we saw some sixes, maybe a plus six, minus 115, something out there that's worth a play uh, on the Dolphins here. But again, I think they're live to win this game. Um, the more you know, recent matchups, uh, Josh Allen's like seven and one against the Dolphins in recent memory. Well, that wasn't the McDaniel, uh, or yeah, McDaniel, Mike McDaniel offense. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't the Tyreek Hill version of this team. Like it's just a completely different team. And by the way, only one of those games, and it was a three-point Buffalo win, came in September in Miami, right? In these conditions that we sort of assume are going to kind of be uh, be a factor in this game. Yeah, you mentioned Mike McDaniel's a scheme, scheme, scheme. That's an that's a Niners thing. He comes from that Shanahan playbook, and we know that sometimes, you know, is Tua really that much better, or is he just throwing to wide open fast dudes sure. that have matchups that because they're getting mismatches on linebackers? Don't want to get too deep into the football football talk. We got a whole year to do that and see that, but like, it's just different so far. Can they keep it up? We'll see. First big boy matchup. I like it a lot. Let's keep things moving here to the Packers at the Bucks. Bucks one and a half point favorites here. And the Bucks are beaten up. Mike Evans tried to beat up Marshawn Lattimore last week as well. <laughs> he'll be suspended again. <laughs> yes, for the third time, was it? Something. At least. As far as we least. know. But um, Yes, the Bucks are favored by one and a half points at home. They will be without Mike Evans, who was suspended for one game. So they're out here on the scrap heap picking up Cole Beasley. 
on the practice squad here. Yeah. Um, this is basically a pick'em game. I'm not sure if I'm buying like either of these two teams, really, to be honest. It's 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 tough, right? These are both teams led by veteran quarterbacks that you know will be better as the season goes along. At this point, though, the Packers beat the Bears like they always do, even though the Bears did score on that touchdown that they didn't get called the touchdown, but story for another day. As we <laughs> mentioned on last week's pod, we're always here arguing about the backdoor cover for yeah. the Bears against the Packers. And guess what was going on again? The Bears struggling for a backdoor cover against the Packers. But I will stay focused here. I'll stay focused. I'll, I'll wheel <laughs> myself back in here. Lock it. I'm riding with Brady. I think Fournette will be able to run the ball. Whichever receivers are in the lineup, whether it's uh, uh, Perryman mm-hmm. or no, is yeah. that who? The, yeah, Perryman. Yeah, man, you're Brashad, your boy Brashad, Brashad. Perryman. Um, whether it's Perryman that'll be in there. Hopefully, maybe can we get a Julio sighting back? Maybe, hopefully. I I, I don't know, but I don't think they'll be ri- relying on Cole World Beasley here. But <laughs> whoever it is, Tom Brady, it'll be a Scotty Miller hookup at some point. Give me the Brady. Laying one and a half points at home, basically a pick'em game. I am on the Bucks. Yeah, we might see a minus one here. Obviously, kind of once you get under a field goal, you, you know, you can sort of play with the numbers here a little bit. If minus one and a half is minus one ten, you might be able to get minus one at minus one fifteen, something along those lines. You know, it's funny. My numbers come out to two and a half uh, in this game. That's where the number sort of well, actually, the number started three. So I understand why people were gobbling up the plus three on uh, on Rogers, and that the number would go to two and a half. Mm-hmm. I guess the Mike Evans thing means like we have to knock another point off of the spread here again. Two and a half, one and a half, like that's such a fine margin. Like that doesn't really mean all that much uh, most mm-hmm. of the time from a win probability standpoint. But I, I'm with you. I mean, this this Buccaneers defense is like absolutely outrageous, and like they've shown that they can do it against Rodgers, whether it was the playoffs a couple years ago or that regular season game where they absolutely tr- trounced them. Uh, and then the thing that, you know, I think you're right about the four net running the football thing is, I mean, that's what the bears were able to do over and over and over again against the Packers, even though like, Hey, why would you ever be afraid of Justin Fields throwing the ball? And like, Justin Fields has only thrown the ball 15 times. We'll talk about this in a little bit, like all season long, or at least completed 15 passes all season long. Also, so, like, you know, the, the bucks will just sneak it. They won't go on fourth down and start from the shotgun <laughs> on fourth true. in like inches. Also just true, saying, as, as just Chris Collinsworth literally mentioned, Tom Brady uh, sneaking it um, when Justin Fields did not do that. So I'm not bitter though, not bitter. No, and yeah, and, and listen, <laughs> I'm delighted. I had the I had the Packers. We talked about you know mm-hmm. the first we half, did. but I had them full game as well, and mm-hmm. I, I decided to to dance with the devil of the backdoor cover, yeah, and, yeah, and it yeah. actually went my way. Which again, the fine, you know. 16 and 16 we mentioned it yeah 16 and 16 I mean, it's just, favorites it's, you know like that's the thing about <laughs> even just people like bragging about their record it's like man like you just got lucky in a short period of time like yeah. we'll talk about this over the course of you know a hundred i was gonna say 162 game season but it's much more than that <laughs> i'm watching too much baseball lately uh with the, the uh, toronto blue jays so uh back to back to the point here um I mean, yes, obviously Julio Jones coming back would be really nice. Chris Godwin coming back, really nice. I I heard somebody refer to it as a cry for help signing Cole Beasley. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds sounds right to me. Um, Obviously, the offense didn't look great against the Saints. Like, I still don't really know how the Saints didn't win that game on Sunday, let alone uh, cover the three points. 
But yeah, man, like I the funny thing is this number has the total has like dove down from like 50 to like 41 in this game because everybody just sort of realized like, no, nah, this isn't that game. This isn't the game that we've seen from these two teams over these last few years. This is going to be that grindy, you know, type of a game here. But if the Packers who knew the Bears were going to run the football can't stop them running the football and didn't do particularly well against the run against Minnesota the week before. And then we saw Minnesota's run game, which is completely vacant on Monday. Like, okay. If the one thing that I think can be relied on here offensively is the Buccaneers run game. And on the other side of things, the Buccaneers defense, and we're getting under a field goal. Yeah, man. I think I got to be with that too. Right. Like again, kudos to the Packers for beating the bears at (laughs) home on a Sunday night, but like, that's not necessarily proving anything to me. Like I'll bet into it. I will, you know, I bet the Packers and like, Mm -hmm. again, like we said, we won with that, but like, it doesn't mean it's going to prove anything to me. So, um, like I said, you know, two and a half, I thought was the right number. It's down to one and a half because I think people are a little too excited here about the Packers, uh, you know, oh, you know, two headed monster run game, you know, and Akeem Hicks is going to be out for this game for the Buccaneers. But again, the Buccaneers have more than enough talent to replace him, uh, especially with Vita Vea, right? He's sort of a he's sort of an extra when it comes to, you know, how good this Buccaneers defense is. Imagine that, right? An extra um, bucks minus one and a half. Yeah, I'm definitely on board with that. We will keep things moving though here. Yep. Let's go to the lions at the Vikings Vikings at home favored by six. This one seems like everyone will be on the lions. I'm kind of mm. like, I'm, I'm feeling like the recency bias here of you just saw Kirk cousins suck again in prime time. And plus people love betting on the lions and, you know, you keep seeing the, the, the man Campbell clips of firing up the team and Hey, skip and all that fun stuff. It's fun to cheer for the lion. I can't lie to you. It seems like a sucker bet to me as I'm staring (laughs) at it. And I'm saying this while admitting that I will be the sucker betting on the lions plus six. I know the Vikings play better at home. The short week has me leaning Lions, but there's been line movement in this game, right? Uh, well, certainly from projections, right? Like the concept okay. of this game should have been probably over seven. That's not going to surprise anybody, right? But mm-hmm. like the interesting thing here isn't necessarily from the line movement in this game. It's from the the line movement in the Lions game from the last game, right? Where okay. remember we were on here talking about how the Lions were actually favored and like, look mm-hmm. at this. And we were just sort of sitting here going like, God, I'm really not really sure what they did to be favorites in this game. And then the injury report came out and it started to go, okay, like now it's not looking all that great for the Lions. And the commanders started taking money and then it got down to a pick them. And even the commanders were sort of a favorite in a way where they were like minus 115 on the money line to minus 105 for the Lions. So I don't know that they officially actually closed as favorites in this game. So maybe the streak is still going. And then Lions come out and they basically like house the commanders in the first half of that game taking like mm-hmm. a 22 to nothing lead. And so now like it's almost, you know, verified, if you will, that the Lions should have been the favorites in that game and that the Lions should, you know, have this whole new rating. And I've, you know, I'm bumping them up. We're, you know, talking about the old, you know, out of 100 rating. I've got them up to 39 out of 100. Maybe they should be in the 40s. Maybe they should be that even team. I'm going to need to see a little bit more. But early in the season, we're trying to move these teams as fast as we can without overreacting, right? Like, yeah. that's the balance in all of this. Are we going to overreact 
or are we going to react appropriately and get ahead of the marketplace? And so with that point spread closing around Pickham last week to the commanders and the Vikings only two and a half point underdogs to the Vikings, uh, to the Eagles on Monday night, this number should probably be over seven. I have a mm-hmm. seven and a half from a market standpoint. And again, even if I bump up the lines a little more, like I can't get below seven. Mm-hmm. So now you're looking at a minus six. I grab minus five and a half because I'm like, well, you know, I if I if I wait and it goes to five or four and a half, not a big deal. But if I wait and it goes to six, that becomes a big deal. Yeah. And I want that backup plan if it happens to go to overtime. And so, you know, you talked about the overreaction or, or, or the reaction to Cousins on primetime. Like, isn't that what he does, right? Like, yep. he stinks it up in primetime. And everybody goes like, oh, this Vikings team's the same old Vikings team. And then they show up at 1 o'clock on Sunday. <laughs> it's your seventh favorite game of the, uh, of the uh, slate. The and red zone channel pops on and it's like 103 and there's Justin Jefferson running free for a touchdown. Yeah, he's just grittying the bleep out of things in the end zone. And like, yeah, you look up and it's 21 to three at halftime and like yeah the vikings probably end up giving up two touchdowns in the, in the second half and you start having to sweat whether they're actually going to cover the number but like they play much better and like i don't know why that is now i'm not going to throw out my you know love or early love here for kevin o'connell because they lost that game against the eagles in a pretty tough environment kicking myself for not sort of you know bumping up the eagles home field advantage in that one game and you know making that sort of a value play under a field goal, but whatever, you know, you lose a game every once in a while. Uh, so yeah, like I'm on the Vikings here. If you told me the lions won this game outright, like I'm not going to be shocked. we saw that last year. They probably should have won both games last year, but again, I'm not going to penalize Kevin O'Connell for the deeds, you know, or the misdeeds of you, if you will, of the Mike Zimmer era. So yeah. I think it's a bounce back spot for the Vikings here, right? Like I think this number, if this, schedule was flipped and this game was played in week two and not in week three Mm. it is up over a touchdown right and so like there just hasn't been enough over the course of these last two weeks i mean the commanders worked themselves right back into that game where like they could have actually come back and won that game on sunday so yeah minus five and a half play for me minus six obviously that opens the door for a push and if that ends up landing on six and is a push it's not the end of the world obviously that would be the same result if you took the lions plus six which it seems like you're leaning to do again i just think from a numbers play this line has to be closer to seven give me the vikings here though i'm not exactly thrilled about it but why would you ever be thrilled with betting on the vikings or kirk cousins (laughs) totally with you there i got you give me the lions and i'm leaning i'm leaning lions here but let's keep things moving here as we got the ravens as three-point favorites in new england against the patriots i'm not sure what to think here old school pats this would be an easy home dog bet for me but i still don't trust this pats team as much as i trust pats teams of the past or at least i can say I trust them a lot less than I trust Lamar and the Ravens at this point. I'll lay the three points, but I don't love it. At least I I feel like Lamar will make plays on both sides as we've seen him get real loose with the ball is something that we've talked about Mm -hmm. year in and year out on this pod. But I feel like Lamar will make plays. I'm not sure what I'm getting from the Pats on a week-to-week basis. Nelson Aguilar out here looking like Randy Moss. And it's like, where's that all the time? Like, why don't they do that a little more? I don't I just don't know what to make of the Pats at all. So because of that, I will reluctantly lay the three points with the Ravens on the road here. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I like your reaction there. <laughs> I, okay, you know, you know what I mean. Like, I, it's not. I, I can't be against that, right? You know, you, you, everybody knows I'm high on Lamar Jackson. I'm high on the Ravens, sort of as an organization, and being able to like, you know, get it done even with some relatively dire circumstances. But man, wasn't that just? Yeah. That was a tough scene last week, man. Very tough. That was a tough scene. Coverage breakdowns, guys blaming each other in the secondary, et cetera, et cetera, right? It wasn't a lack of talent. It was a lack mm -hmm. of communication and understanding of like who's got who and where. Guys weren't getting beat one-on-one. -on -one. They were getting beat 11 on 60-minute game, old cliche, 60-minute game. But you, you know what I mean, though, right? Like, mm -hmm. it wasn't a talent thing where it was like, oh, this guy's just getting torched by this guy. It was like, no, actually, that guy's just running free mm -hmm. because the safety in the corner can't figure out who's supposed to get the depth play um, yeah. on that offensive play. And so, you know, the Patriots, can they do that? Like, probably, you know what I mean? They don't have the speed necessarily of the Dolphins, but, like, they have Mac Jones at this point. Like, it hasn't been pretty. <laughs> But again, like I think the Patriot, uh, excuse me, the Steelers defense is pretty good. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we just talked about how we, you know, one of the reasons we like the Dolphins at home against the Bills is because of the circumstance of playing in Miami in September. Like, yeah. okay, well then we have to give the Patriots a little bit of a nudge there because of that situation, right? We have to downgrade, you know, that game a little bit and almost upgrade the Patriots a little bit. So you know, they obviously have been playing on the road these first two games. At home, it's a little bit of a different story. My numbers came out to about one and a half points for okay. the Ravens. And so you go, okay, well, why is it three? Well, if it makes sense to you, sort of perception-wise, yeah. that it goes up to three, then to me, that's actually a good spot to take the Patriots, mm -hmm. right? Like, if you understand why the market is making you pay an extra point and a half, and in this case, on the key number of three, then to me, that makes sense to grab the Patriots. I got you. I hope that makes makes sense to people. No, right? no, no, I Where got it's you. Like, if you can see why, why, if you can see why well, nobody would want the Patriots and therefore mm. we have to, you know, jack the price up here on the Ravens, then that probably means the Patriots are a pretty good idea to bet this week. So um, I'll be on the Patriots plus three here. I am just sort of watching the market right now because it's easy to say, okay, it's going to be three. It's going to plaster three. I've heard people say that it's going to go down to two and a half and grab the three now. And then I'm looking mm -hmm. over at other sites and you're getting plus three at like even money, which suggests that like maybe it's starting to lean to a three and a half. Now it's a big yeah. move off of three. Either way, whether it goes to minus three and a half or it goes to minus two and a half, like moving off of three in the NFL is literally the biggest. We saw uh, was the Falcons and Rams last week have a game that probably should have lined up on seven and it didn't because they went for two down 14. We saw Cleveland and the Jets. Probably mm -hmm. that game should have landed seven, but we saw an extra point. These are the things that happen to get games off of seven and make seven less of a key number in the NFL. Whereas three, three is three, man. Like three is the key number in the NFL. So to get this number off of three really means something. I'm just gonna be watching to make sure that I can't get plus three and a half, but I'll be on plus three. Okay. Okay. Very interesting game. Uh, and again, it's a very tough game because I'm still trying to figure out exactly what the Pats are. So I'm super interested to see how this one plays out, but I will lay the three points with the Ravens. Uh, keep things moving here. We pick up the pace a little here. We got the Bengals at 
the Jets, Bengals, four and a half point favorites. I have no idea what's going on with the Bengals. They're 0-2. Seems like a great time to be facing the Jets, or is it? How much are we buying this Jets comeback? And Joe Flacco throwing bombs out here. Has this game comfortably in the Vegas zone? It was fascinating. It was fascinating last week. I feel like I have to take the Bengals zone. Yeah. Because here's the thing, right? Like, Vegas zone, are they really going to fall to 0-3 while losing to the Jets again like last year, if we remember how crazy that game was? Losing the Cooper Rush's Cowboys and then Joe Flacco's Jets back-to-back weeks, I know it's not that easy, but I just can't do it. I got to take the Bengals laying the four and a half points here. Yeah, it does sort of feel a little now or never-y here for the Bengals, right? Like, you can't go 0-3 with losses, like you mentioned, to the Cowboys and the Bengals. And, of course, the division loss in Week 1 to the Steelers, right? Like, But you don't just get to decide that because you really, really need to win. You, you know, you don't just get yeah. to. Now... You know, what's one of our rules? If you're jumping and dancing on the sidelines after a win, <laughs> we're probably going to fade you the next week. You know, yeah. shout out to the Seattle Seahawks last week. So <laughs> the Jets are that, right? Like they, you know, Garrett Wilson's doing like a flip when they get the, you know, um, the onside kick. And of course, obviously Robert Sal is so excited. What would this number have been if Nick Chubb just falls down? If the onside kick doesn't go down? If they, you know, all of those things that happen, if they don't happen, Numbers got to be closer to six, six and a half. It has mm-hmm. to be where the Ravens were at the Jets just two weeks ago because we have the Ravens around where the Bengals are from a rating standpoint. I like right? it. And just because two games have gone by doesn't mean we have to sort of throw all those, that concept of Bengals and 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 Ravens being about the same, right? I don't think that that's you know i think it's insane to say like yeah actually both teams whether you want to move them both down or Mm. keep them where they are like they both exist you know together tied together in that afc north from a rating standpoint so yeah like why isn't the six and a half the way that it you know the the ravens were a couple weeks ago well because we got excited because the jets won a game which again alternative universe 21 years 2000 games of that situation all of the stats that you've seen on twitter over the last like half week here all of those things if it just in that universe just lines up with all those other games it's minus six at the mm-hmm. very least, right? But yeah. instead it's minus four and a half. Obviously part of that had to do with the Bengals not beating the Cowboys last week, which we thought from a value standpoint is something that was a possibility. You were on well, that. You were on that. From a value standpoint, we got to be on the Bengals. Now, if they end up going 0-3 or they win by obviously not covering this game, all right, you know what? Then we're probably going to be looking at the Bengals a lot differently, like in an official sort of capacity here, right? <laughs> but if they win the same way that the Ravens won a couple of weeks ago, then yeah, okay. Then we have to we solidify where we think they are relative to the Ravens. I, you know, we are we are confirmed, if you will, um, on, on our rating for this team. So this is just sort of like a do or die type deal, where it's like we're getting a point and a half, maybe two mm-hmm. of value here on a favorite. Which, again, isn't something that happens very often, but, again, did with San Francisco last week and a couple other teams, and I think that happens again this week. Good old zigzag nature of the NFL. Gotta love it, right? Gotta love it. Keep things moving here. We got the Jags at the Chargers. Chargers at home as seven-point favorites, laying a touchdown. Seems like a lot of points. But the Jags remain one of my most frustrating teams to bet on. No matter which side I'm on, they appear to do the opposite. We got a banged up Justin Herbert, but he's still Justin Herbert. 
My question to you, are the Jags spicy or are the Colts really bad? I don't know. I know you're going to say that's not really how things work here. We're talking <laughs> the gambling side of it. I'm not sure, but I will say that I'm I'm on the Jags and I don't like it at all. Uh, so, okay, this number is a, this number at seven is sort of an in-between number, right? We talked last year about in-between numbers when quarterbacks were, you know, we weren't sure whether the quarterback was supposed to be in the lineup, right? Because a healthy Justin Herbert who doesn't have fractured rib cartilage or whatever, which to me just sounds like fractured ribs. And a um, doctor that's being sued for injuring the previous quarterback. Yeah, who's just wielding a needle unruly, right? It's like, oh, they'll just shoot him up before the game. It's like, does that sound like a thing we want... You know, Justin Herbert involved in in any way, shape, or form, people? Crazy. No. Uh, if Justin Herbert's healthy and fine, right, this number's probably over a touchdown, right? It's mm -hmm. probably eight. If we find out tomorrow, nope, he's out, Chase Daniel is in, well, you're not going to make the Jags favorites all of a sudden, right? No. But you are going to drop this number probably closer to three. I think three is a little too low. So let's say it's probably about three and a half or four. So something in between four and eight that's going to be pretty safe is just putting this number on seven because there's a high possibility, A, that it goes one way or another, but B, that it just lands on seven, uh, you know, regardless of what sort of happens in, you know, with regards to these uh, quarterbacks. So that's why this number seven, so it's a, either a little high or a little low, depending yeah, on, yeah. you know. Depends who, on what happens. It yeah, depends yeah. on what happens. So for me to just sit here and say like, oh yeah, man, Jags plus seven for sure, for sure. No, It's no, more just you. like, okay, what do you believe as far as this injury to Herbert? What does that, what does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. And so if he doesn't play, then yeah, like plus seven's really good value. And you're probably going to want to jump on that right now. You're probably going to jump on the money line. That's like plus 250 or even a little ooh, higher than that ooh. right now, because we'd be, we might be looking at Chase Daniel and like for as much money as Chase Daniel has made as a backup quarterback and never actually playing, like we've seen <laughs> some Chase Daniel, like he's not very good. And this is a Chargers team that like, listen, they're going to screw enough stuff up here for the Jags to cover a plus seven, even maybe if Herbert plays. Like, it's not like if you bought, if you bet plus seven right now, Herbert plays, you just have no chance of winning, yeah. right? Like, that's obviously not the case. You're just probably not getting the best of the number because the number is probably going to go up seven and a half, eight, right? Like when it gets announced, if it gets announced that Herbert's playing, the number goes up. Right. It doesn't mean that that's correct. It's just how people, how human beings react to good news in this case for the Chargers. Right. Yeah. But by the way, how do we know Justin Herbert's sleeping all that well this week? How do we know that, you know, he's even practicing this week? Like the preparation element has to be a factor. So when this number is seven and I say, like, if he was healthy, it would go to eight, eight and a half. Yeah, but he's not going to be healthy. He exactly. might play. But he's not going to be healthy. He's not going to be prepared. And by the way, he might not make it through the game. And now you're looking at Chase Daniel coming in the, to the middle of a game instead of having a week of prep. So there's a bunch of different reasons why this line is never going to get to or never should get to seven and a half or eight. And we haven't even gotten to the fact that the Jags shut out a team last week. And I know we might think that the Colts are awful. Who knows, right? It's still only been two games, but they still shut out an NFL team with actual players. And so like <laughs> the only way this moves in a way that like is going to make sense is if it comes down off of seven because Herbert's, you know, not okay to go in this game. So like, yeah, man, you might as well just grab the Jags right now and kind of hope for the best because there's a lot of ways this can go badly for the Chargers, and there's not a ton of ways that this can go badly 
for the Jags from a news standpoint to change the market in this, right? But it is important to know that if all things were equal, this line would be over seven. I like it. I like it. You made me feel a lot more comfortable in terms of taking the Jags for sure. But as we keep things moving here, I don't know how comfortable I am in this one. Rams minus three and a half on the road in Arizona. Seems like a lot of points. The Rams offense doesn't really scare me, but I'm also not trying to be over influenced by video game Kyler Murray. Three and a half points would normally have me taking the home dog, but I feel like the Rams defense, more importantly, their defensive line, Mm-hmm. We'll hopefully do a better job of keeping Kyler under wraps. Maybe those video game moments don't happen as much to save the game. I don't know. I, well, don't, know. Lest, I don't really like it, but I'm going to lay to three and a half points with the Rams. Lest we forget, man, the NFC West carousel, yeah, right? You're right. A, a tried totally- and true system that we've used for years. And how does the carousel work? Well, San Francisco owns the Rams. Mm-hmm. The Rams own the Cardinals, the Cardinals own the Seahawks, and the Seahawks owned owned the 49ers. <laughs> now, the Seahawks um, basically forfeited their ownership yeah. uh, of, of the 49ers once Russell Wilson left. Right? And when I say own, obviously, it's not, we're yeah, not talking yeah. wins necessarily, but certainly covers and like surprising results, right? Because we've had scenarios where, you know, the 49ers weren't supposed to do much against the vaunted Rams, and then they either knock them off or stay close enough to cover mm-hmm. a point spread and yada, yada, yada. So what's surprising to me here is that this line is only three and a half. Now, my numbers come out to 4.4 in the market. And as you can imagine, I, you know, I have the, Cardinals rated a lot a little bit lower than that. And like, yeah, they pulled that comeback off against the Raiders. But again, I like to sit there at a certain points in a game, whether it's halftime, middle of the third quarter, fourth quarter, whatever, and be like, how do I feel about a team right this second? Yeah. Because how many seconds of that Cardinals Raiders game did you really like what the Cardinals were doing? Even when they were coming back, you know, fourth downs and Murray's just on his own running around, et cetera, et cetera. If the Rams you know, under the sort of cycle of the NFC West, if the premise of that is that they've handled Kyler Murray, which of course they did in the playoffs and they did last year, if that's the premise, then what am I supposed to be afraid of when it comes to the Cardinals here? Mm-hmm. And I don't even really love the Rams all that much, as you know, yeah. you guys probably know from, from the first couple of weeks of this podcast. So, but what I'm seeing here is this line opening where I thought it was supposed to open around four to four and a half. Mm -hmm. And now it's down to three and a half. And like, it's funny how, you know, your mentals work where I'm like, well, if I could get a minus three, like what would be the price I'd want to pay for the Rams minus three in this game? And I'm like, well, you know, given that it's such a key number, minus 120 feels like a price that I would probably just say, you know what, fine, I'll take minus 120. There's a minus 122 available out there in an offshore uh, sports book. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how like the $2, if you will, on the price, like changes it for him. Like, oh, okay, well, no, I said 120. I can't, I can't dare pay minus, you know, 122 on this. And like, yeah, there's a bunch of time left here. I don't know if this is a fake where early in the week, you know, organizations, groups will bet you know, the Cardinals to try to get this number down to three where when the, uh, the limits rise later on in the week, then boom, they hammer the Rams. That's certainly how I would play it if there was an indication that we could get a minus three here. So we'll see. 
maybe their people are actually liking the Cardinals in this game. And I just don't see how that's possible, especially, you know, in the, in the first six weeks of the season, as we wait for Deandre Hopkins to come back, mm-hmm. this to me is just rely on the old tried tested and true NFC cycle here, man. Like this is, this is Rams on the road for me, um, minus three and a half. And, and hopefully maybe we can get minus three because this line should be four, four and a half. Let's go Rams. Uh, keep things moving here. We got the Raiders on the road, two point favorites in Tennessee against the Titans. Two zero and two teams going head to head. I guess I'm going to go with the Raiders here. I mean, their offense at some point has to get it going on a consistent basis. Also, maybe Hunter Renfro wants to not fumble in key spots with the game on the line. Maybe, maybe that might help. Not sure. Meanwhile, the Titans. Oof, what can we say about the Titans? Give me the Raiders here. I'll lay the points and the two points with the Raiders. Okay. Uh, I get it. Like, uh-oh. it has not looked pretty for the Titans, right? Uh-oh. But, like, uh-oh. also, yeah, it kind of never does. True. Right? Fair. And, like, fair. And this game is going to be the seventh, you know, most exciting game or the most, you know, interesting game on that one o'clock schedule. I think it's the one, uh, one o'clock. Yeah, of course, because it's in Tennessee. Um, I just, I mean, the tennis, the Titans are just going to win this game, right? Because <laughs> the Raiders are that team that will like show up. They should be the road favorite. I'm not even mm-hmm. saying the numbers off particularly. I do have the Titans favored in this game because I haven't knocked the Titans like down to like sub. Um, average right like if average again is 50 out of 100 i haven't gone below 50 yet with the titans though i can understand after you watch them get housed by the bills and you watch them blow that game to the giants but like by the way they still had a pretty decent lead in that giants game they're not necessarily going to blow that type of a lead all the time the raiders literally just blew a lead at home to the cardinals what are we getting that excited about from these this raiders team right like it hasn't the excitement that we're supposed to feel about the Raiders, about Devonte Adams and Josh McDaniels and all of these sorts of things, like that hasn't really shown up just yet in actual play on the field, right? Loss, obviously, on the road to the Chargers and, of course, blowing that game to the cards. This feels like that just that Raiders team that's like it's going to be a battle. Mike Vrabel's scrappy group, like Tannehill's going to save his career for the millionth time by playing a really good game. Derrick Henry is going to be much better than the 25 yards. We were on his under 88 on Monday, and he had 25. Shouts to Derrick Henry for not making that a sweat in any way, shape, or form. But, like, I don't think the Titans are just dead and honestly if they lose this game like yeah maybe maybe they are just flat out dead i this is a game that a team that stinks mm-hmm. but has some heart yeah. and has a re- and i don't want to say reputation but experience like this is a game that they win okay and the titans are that and the raiders just aren't just yet <laughs> you know what i mean you. like yeah. if this was oh man the titans are going against the chiefs or you know mm-hmm. even the chargers or you know there's a handful of teams where you just go like okay like yeah, that team's just like notably better and they're not mm. and on both sides of the ball. I don't think that's the case here, right? I think the Titans can be problematic defensively uh, for the Raiders. And I think they can be like strangely enough problematically offensively uh, against the Raiders here. So it's one of those where you're like, man, it doesn't look good. It's probably not going to look good. But like, I think the Titans at like plus money here on the money line to win this game, I think that's pretty good value. Okay, okay. And maybe Josh McDaniels just isn't a good coach. Could be a thing. 
Could be a thing. I don't know. Uh, we'll keep things moving here. I'm very interested to hear your take on this game. Chiefs minus six and a half at the Colts. Can't lie. I'm going to be the sucker that's going to take the Chiefs here to cover on less than a TD, but I'm pretty sure you know that because yeah. you're familiar with my work. <laughs> <laughs> the Chiefs to cover a TD on the road. The Colts, I get it. This has to be a game where they show signs of life. Yeah. But – I'm just looking at the Chiefs offense to roll here and it might be one where they get up big and just shut it down and you know Matt Ryan doing his Matt Ryan thing here with the backdoor cover but I'm willing to accept that willing to accept that that opportunity that chance but I'm laying the points on the road six and a half with the Chiefs I know what you're gonna say but I'm here to hear it anyways you're 100% right you know exactly what I'm gonna say and it's exactly what I'm gonna say there was a seven out there earlier this week and I at, listen, I might rue this come Sunday, but I couldn't have been giddier to hit the Colts plus seven uh, yeah. when it was available on Monday and plus six and a half is outrageous too. Plus six would be outrageous, but people are still way, willing to pay it. Like whether it's the old saying of the chiefs tax, right? Where they're always just a little bit higher than they should be. And that, you know, ends up costing them the cover, even though they win and all of that sort of thing. Like, yeah, that exists. But again, Chiefs won, destroyed the Cardinals, a team that we just talked about. Don't really think that much, you know, that much of. And then honestly, weren't the better team on Thursday. I think even Patrick Mahomes kind of admitted that they got away with one yep. in that game. But because there's kind of nobody else to fill that role of the number two team in the NFL, mm -hmm. right? You've got the Bills, and I, you know, I write my weekly column showing people like what the odds makers, how they're rating these teams based on the point spreads that have ex have existed. Like the Bills are like five right rating points clear of anybody else, and nobody really wants to give the other team sort of in that milieu, if you will, like any credit, and rightly so. But there's one team that's two and zero out of that group, right? Out of the Packers and the Chargers and the Rams and the you know Buccaneers. Well, the Buccaneers are two and zero too, but like obviously haven't looked that good, especially last week. Like it's the Chiefs, and so people just go, "Okay, Chiefs are number two. And it's almost like because we refuse to like believe that the Bills are that much better. And again, that might be true. We're dragging the Chiefs up in our ratings, right? As like, oh man, like I can't wait to these two teams play each other in the AFC championship game, which like, by the way, is a totally fair take, but like also might not be accurate from a point spread standpoint. Now, what might not be accurate is the Colts rating right now. And I have kicked this team down to 50. I have kicked them down to completely average. I'm, you know, because I can't basically take one game and, you know, obviously the Texans tie wasn't great, but like they still moved the ball. They had the ball in the red zone like six yeah. times, something along those lines, right? Stuff that's indicative of like a decent team that just had kind of a weird day. Well, there was nothing weirder than that shutout loss to the Jags last week. And I don't know what happened, you know, and obviously like Matt Ryan has this history of just having her atrocious games. He's going to the Hall of Fame. There should be a special wing for him, Eli Manning and Philip Rivers as guys who like if you watch them play like a hundred uh, select hundred games, you would think that they were the worst quarterback you've ever seen in their in 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 their lives or in your life. So but the problem is this number should be three and a half. It was two and a half before the season started. It was three and a half around the time the season started. Like this should be three and a half based on last week. Again, last week happened. And so you bump the Colts down. But like I can't bump them down to where they are six and a half or seven point underdog at home here. 
especially, and again, this is part of the key to all of this. Like, do we get Shaq Leonard back on defense? Do we Teach. get Michael Pittman back on offense? Because those two guys are arguably the most important player on both sides of the ball. Not saying best, right? But we saw Jonathan Taylor was in the lineup last week, and he only had nine carries. So he yeah. can't be the most important player on that team because he was you know, ineffective in that game. But if they get those two guys back, which is, again, we thought we'd have at least one of them uh, last week, but Pittman was a surprise not to go. And, of course, Leonard wasn't able to get back in this game. Like, it's it's not necessarily now or never because the record isn't 0-2. It's 0-1-1. and But this is that game where it's going to be like, oh, man, they threw the kitchen sink at him, everything, and Jonathan Taylor got it going because the Chiefs run defense, like, obviously, you know, was only okay and all of that sort of stuff, right? You know, the whole kitchen sink ga- game from your from your boy Bill Simmons, like you have to bet on the Colts here and just live with the result, uh, especially if you can get a flat seven in this game. And again, we're going to hope for the, those guys to get back um, from their injuries. The Chiefs are good; they are not as good as they are being rated right now. And man, we have made an adjustment to the Colts as best we could here. But I'm listen. We spent the last two weeks showing how these teams have been bottomed out in the ratings, whether it was the Cowboys last week, the Browns the week before that, where we were just going, they are being rated as low as they can possibly go. Yeah. Which means we have to buy low in that circumstance. And that's mm-hmm. where we're at here. This isn't, you know, this is a different game than the, than the Dolphins, where it's like, well, the Dolphins actually look pretty good, and we're going to sort of buy them as significant underdogs at home to a really good Bills team. This is a different deal where it's an unnerving play here but just look at the spread any spread you look at understand that it's that spread exists because it's a 50 50 chance of one team covering over vegas and the, and you know vegas or whatever in sports books they're not just handing out free money here by you taking the chiefs minus six and a half and like everybody just like gleefully goes to the bank with it because yeah. right now you know we never like mentioned um percentages or whatever betting percentages etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. but like there have been reports from sports books that this is going to be the biggest liability of the season and maybe in a couple of years on the Chiefs minus uh, minus six and a half. Yeah. And like, keep in mind, especially if it doesn't go to seven, if it was such a liability that they were worried about this, they would go to seven and get push money on all the Chiefs money that comes in. Yeah. Right. No, you're you're totally right. And I think the biggest thing too, as I'm saying I'm the sucker here on the Chiefs minus six and a half. A huge, huge thing for anyone listening to this. If you're listening to this on Sunday morning and you go online and you see that their star receiver and star linebacker for the Colts are both in the lineup adjust accordingly. For the people that are up there on the Sunday mornings making their moves cool but that's a key thing here to look for and i'm saying that as someone who is on the chiefs so (laughs) get it it. we'll keep it moving here we got the eagles and the commanders eagles six and a half point favorites in washington and the eagles are on a short week the bandwagon is strong not quite as strong as the bills mafia bandwagon but close Uh, the Carson Wentz is still Carson Wentzing, and in, in this is this a Carson Wentz possible revenge game? I can't oh, even say that with a straight face because I don't know what a Carson Wentz revenge game would be. It's a lot of points here, but I'm gonna be on the Eagles. I can't take. I, I know that I probably should take the points in the home dogs with the Commanders. I know that I probably should do that, but hey, 
early season, there's probably hard lessons for me to still learn here as the early season reminders come back. But I'm on the Eagles here, laying the six and a half points on the road. Yeah, I mean, evidently, I've taught you nothing for two years. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't be more disappointed in you right now. It's 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 Carson Wentz. No, it's Carson Wentz. That's all this is. I understand that, but you know who else is fully aware of who the quarterback is for the Washington Commanders? Odds makers and the betting market alike, right? Like, I Mm -hmm. get that it's like an uncomfortable watch with Mm -hmm. some of these guys, and it's going to be an uncomfortable watch for the Colts, and it's going to be an uncomfortable watch for the Dolphins. But again, these minus six and a half, like, that's your clue. Right. If it was okay. seven, what happens? Right. Yeah. Maybe they get all the world's money on mm-hmm. the Eagles at minus seven and the Eagles win by seven and they just have to refund all those tickets. But what's more likely going to happen if they go to seven is that the people who are waiting to just absolutely wail away on the commanders and getting that plus seven do so. So every time this touches seven, it's going to get absolutely crushed by big time money on the commanders. And like, yeah. Okay, which side would you rather be on? The people who are willing to put big time money down or the people who are just, you know, coming in because they saw the Eagles on Monday night. And by the way, as much as we go, oh man, like the Eagles like look good, like the Vikings had every opportunity to be in that game. You're correct. Like, totally that correct. That game was 14-7 and it felt like it was 28 to 7. Yeah. But it was 14 to 7. And when it was 17 to 7, it felt like it was 31 to 7, but it was 17 to 7. Like they're, you know, what happens if they run back that field goal block, right? Amazing, mm-hmm. by the way, that 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 he gets caught from behind. And of course, inevitably Kirk Cousins just starts throwing interceptions. Hell, what happens if Irv Smith catches that ball that was in his lap for a 60 plus yard touchdown? Right. Mm -hmm. Like these, I'm not making like wild, you know, circumstances up. These are things that happened in real life. And so, yeah, like the Eagles, the the situation for the Eagles was so good, like home opener on a Monday night, like made up vitriol for Jalen Rieger. Right. That's just going to keep people's attention throughout the game as far as like, okay, time to boo because he's about to return a punch or something (laughs) along those lines. Right. Like, okay, the Bills, we rated them high to start the season. They have shown that they are appropriately rated in a high way. I yeah. think that they probably win 13 games this season, maybe 14, hell, maybe even 15. But we fade them in certain spots where they, you know, like they have to go to Miami. Yeah, they're the not going to go undefeated. An eight and nine, nine and eight ish type team, right? That were beating up on a bad schedule and losing to good teams. They finally beat a team that we at least think is going to be good in the Vikings. They have not earned the regard that we are giving them by making them six and a half point favorites against the Commanders. Um, we are just taking uh, human beings' desire to want to bet <laughs> on the Eagles. Because of how good they looked last week. By the way, they won by three points against the Lions the week before. And we also don't want to bet on Carson Wentz because it hurts our eyeballs, our brains, and other regions of our bodies. And so the problem is, you know, in order to make money in the NFL, because somewhere along the line, we decided that week two was, you know, overreaction week, right? We like we talk about overreaction week. Oh, week two, everybody's gonna overreact to week one to the point where everybody kind of stopped overreacting because the you know people in the afternoon shows of ESPN started telling us that we were overreacting, and then week two would go by, mm-hmm. and nobody calls week three overreaction week. 
we all just decide that what we saw from the first two weeks of the NFL season is gospel. We just mm -hmm. decide that these teams are what we saw from the first two weeks. Oh, Colts are horrendous. Uh, Carson went, I mean, Willis, we already kind of know what Carson Wentz is, but like, you know, commanders, you know, we're down 22 nothing to the Lions. Like, they should fold the franchise. Eagles and Bills Super Bowl. Like, let's just play it tomorrow and save ourselves the time. Like, the re overreaction has come from people not reacting to just one game. They've just been reacting to two games, which would still be ridiculous in baseball. It would still be ridiculous in the NBA, and it would still be ridiculous in major in uh, the NHL, right? Like we would be, you know, it would be absurd of us on October thirtieth to like understand we know everything about an NBA team, but yet we do this with the NFL. Now again, yeah. maybe the Eagles walk in there short week on the road again, not exactly a far drive necessarily, but would still. Like to honestly, I think the commander's crappy home field advantage kind of helps them in this circumstance because you're gonna walk out there and you're gonna be like, This is there's nothing to this game. We are great, we're two and oh, we just beat the Vikings at home. And by the way, like as much as I hope and like and think that the Vikings might be better than the market thinks, and how you know that showed to be the case against the Packers, like we're still talking about a game against the Vikings. Yeah that we're getting really excited about, right? Like we can't trash Kirk Cousins for being terrible in prime time and then also give credit to the Eagles for doing something impressive if we're busy talking about how crappy Kirk Cousins is in prime time, right? Like one of those two things can be true, but they both can't really be true. It has no, to be like, you. wow, you beat Kirk Cousins in prime time or uh, all you did was beat Kirk Cousins in prime time. So you're like pick a lane there, right? Yeah. And so now we're talking about a division game with a six and a half point road favorite here that is to me still largely unproven that the public is just loving at this point. Again, it used to be week two. Now it's week three. We are holding our nose left, right, and center in these games. Commanders plus six and a half. And again, wait. I imagine a seven will pop briefly at some point somewhere. Maybe have to cost you an extra five cents. Yeah. Grab it while you can, but there's a reason this isn't seven. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. No, I totally understand where you're coming from. I will either be cursing Carson Wentz next week or just laughing at Carson Wentz one, one way or the other, or maybe both. Cause I honestly, mean, that's the Carson Wentz experience. <laughs> it's true. You both. are correct. You are correct. My friend. Uh, we'll, we'll go through these two games a little quickly here. Got the Texans at the bears bears are three point favorites. I don't like it when something seems too easy and the bears favored by three points against anyone seems very strange to me, especially since I love taking the Texans who cover spreads. They may not win a lot of games, but they cover spreads. Uh, yeah. Would I love to get it over a field goal? Sure. But I'll take the Texans plus three. Yeah. You're not, I mean, you're just never going to get over a field goal in this game. So grab the plus three now and just find and feel content with that again, might not win, but like, I think that's a good bet. Um, why is it three? Honestly, from a rating standpoint, like the numbers come out to minus 3.2 for me. So again, I at least understand why the line is what the line is. Yeah. I also know that again, Justin Fields has completed 15 passes so far this season. <laughs> that's not great. 
And I also know that the Texans running game, which I was sort of hoping would be really good this season to be able to take some of the pressure off Davis Mills to open things up for Davis Mills. Like he's gone up against the Colts run defense. That's actually pretty good and has been in years past. And then he went on the road against the Broncos run defense. That's actually pretty good and has been in the past, right? So we're grading on the positive side of the curve. We talked about that earlier when it came to, I believe the Browns defense playing bad teams. In this case, You've got the Texans offense facing pretty good defensive teams, especially in the run game. And Davis Mills is going to need play action passes to work, right? And they're not going to work if you're not buying in. Mm -hmm. And so the Bears, meanwhile, okay, like reputation of a defense, we just watched them get absolutely run over by the Packers, right? Like that wasn't Aaron Rodgers dismantling the Bears. That was their two-headed monster of running backs dismantling the Bears. So I think this is a big game for Damian Pierce. I think this you know, is a big game for Davis Mills off of the fact that Damian Pierce is able to do some work. And again, Justin Fields has completed 15 passes all season long. So again, you're going to give the Bears minus three, force them to win by more than a field goal. I, I just think this is Texans plus three because the ratings think that it should be, but this is actually a pretty good matchup for Lovey Smith, former Bears coach, who's going to have a little extra, you know, if they if the guys like Lovey Smith, right, they're going to go to war for him a little bit here in this game. Uh, and again, by the way, like they could have won that game against the Broncos last uh, last week, having a lead in that fourth quarter. Yeah, give me the Texans here plus three. I like it uh, very much too. having a chance to win. I feel like the Saints had a chance to win last week and then, you know, things just kind of hit the fan in more ways than one. This week, they find themselves as three point favorites against the Panthers on the road. Panthers are 0-2 at losses to Jacoby Brissett's Browns and Daniel Jones's Giants. I know that might not be fair as a statement, but that's a horrible start to the season. I'm leaning on the Saints. I don't really like it. I know you're going to tell me I probably should be on the home dogs. Could this be a kitchen sink game from the Panthers? Sure, but I don't even know what a kitchen sink game from the Panthers <laughs> looks like at this point. Totally, I will fair. take the Saints, and I just like the Saints' defense here. Yeah, and, and you know, we always talk about how they match up well against the Bucs, and that's exactly what happened. But, like, the offense, because the Bucks' defense is really good, and obviously they could have used Elvin Kamara, like, that was the issue, right? Like, they mm-hmm. just couldn't score. Like, one touchdown to go up 7-3, to three, like, might have been enough to do it because then you don't have Jameis potentially throwing, you know, pick sixes. And, by the way, the officials absolutely dragged the Bucs into the end zone for that touchdown that yep. sort of set that, you know, game to 10-3. to three. Um that being said, I mean, my numbers come out to two and a half for this mm-hmm. game. It's three. I just have so little faith at this point in Matt Rule and the Panthers. Like you mentioned, like, I don't know if they have a kitchen sink in the kitchen. Like they <laughs> honestly probably don't, right? Like that's where we're at with this Panthers team. Like, a, like this guy's not going to make it through the season if you can't get it done against the Browns. And then, of course, last week against the Giants, like they were better on the, you know, more yards than the Giants. You know, obviously stuff happens. Obviously that that uh, kickoff return fumble uh, was the thing that got them behind the eight ball here. I hate this game. I hate everything about it. I can't I can't rough yeah. you up here for liking the Saints, but I think if I had to, I would take the Panthers plus three. Yeah. But like, God, I'm not feeling it. great about it at all. Yeah, no, totally get it, my dude. Totally. No arguments here at all. Um, either way you want to slide being on that game. Uh, we will move on to the Falcons at the Seahawks. Seahawks are favored by two points. This is a weird line to me. 
because I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons just won this game. Sure. So I guess we're just talking about home field advantage. I, I don't know. I mean, Geno Smith, game manager, Marcus Mariota, game manager, <laughs> right? Like, give me the points. Falcons plus the points. That's where I'm le- leaning here. Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, it would be really weird because I, like, quote-unquote, liked the Falcons relative mm-hmm. to the market yeah, before yeah. the season. As in, like, they were rated worst in the league, and I was like, they're not the worst in the league. Like, Wait, that's weren't they mean. your Super Bowl pick? No? <laughs> that's, that's why. <laughs> and I have an unhealthy, like, you know, irrational um, support for Marcus Mariota because I think he, if he, well, whatever, we don't have to get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it'd be really weird if I was like, well, you know what? Now I got let's bet on the Seahawks, a team that I thought might be the worst team in the yeah. league, right? Like this is a team I like versus a team that I don't like. Problem is when I crank out the numbers here, like it's Seahawks minus three. Yeah. I go, oh man, like this thing's ticking down to like close to minus one territory. Is this something like I'm obligated obligated to bet on the Seahawks? But it's funny, like we don't talk about this beforehand, but you mentioned, you know, since not rocket science, Seahawks home field advantage, like it's a thing. I have them two and a half points for home field advantage. Like that's as high as I go for any team for two uh for home field advantage. So the fact that this is two does still suggest that the Falcons are the better team. And so it kind of then makes some sense here. But because the Seahawks have been given credit uh, against the Broncos in that first game for like, you know, that game was under a, under a touchdown um, from a pregame point spread standpoint. And then it was under 10 points against the 49ers when I thought it should be 10 points or higher. Like yeah. the market has been giving credit to the Seahawks. And of course, they haven't been given, given much credit to the Falcons who were 10, 10 and a half point underdogs last week. So when you look at it that way, you go, yeah, okay, well, the market is still trying to tell us that the Seahawks are the better team. I'm, I am I wasn't there before the season started. I'm not there now. The Falcons are staying out west from that game against the Rams, so you don't have that adjustment of the travel element. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's a half point, maybe a point less in the home field advantage that we're supposed to give here. I'm with you, man. I'm just sort of obligated here to sort of back my preseason opinion and my current opinion, honestly, that the Falcons are the better, more dangerous team here, um, even though my numbers sort of come out to like saying I probably shouldn't. And I don't think we're going to get the three. But yeah, I mean, give me the Falcons here. You know, we'll hope for the best. I like it. Let's keep it moving. Sunday night football. We got the Niners as one and a half point favorites in Denver against the Broncos. And my big question here is what I want. I want to know what this line was before the Trey Lance injury. And it just, just because like the way that I'm looking at this and the way that I viewed this Niner season, Trey Lance gave them the more upside. We know what Jimmy G is. We know what Jimmy G is going to do. We know what he brings to the table. And so it, in theory though, Mm -hmm. what, when I look at this game, I'm betting on the Niners for that exact reason. I know what I'm getting with Jimmy G. I know what he's going to do. He knows the system. They know the system of how they can win with him. I don't like Jimmy G at all, but he knows his role. Russ still thinks that he's here. Let's riding and leading the ride. And your man's Nathaniel Hackett definitely doesn't know what he's doing. So (laughs) give me the Niners minus one and a half Sunday night football. Let's ride. So you're you're on Niners. You just let's ride it a Niners. That's yes, that's, I did. That's I did. I stole randomly offensive thing. to the brand. Stole to the Russell Wilson's thing. Um. Okay, it's not going to be comfortable. <laughs> this is not going to be a comfortable week. Like that's what week three is. Again, it is the new week two. 
right? Like it's the old swingers scene where they're talking about, you know, how long should it take you to call a girl after you get her number, right? And they're like, you know, two days used to be a thing, but now it's like three days. And like, well, how long are you going to wait to call your girl? Like eight days, right? Like soon enough, we're going to be in uh, overreaction week eight at this point. But like, yeah, instead of two days, it's now looking like three. Well, when the NFL season becomes a 30 game season. <laughs> That's true. Week eight will be officially overreaction week. Um, okay. So you asked about the, the point spread and the rating and the change for the, for, for the quarterback for the 49ers. Honest to God, it doesn't make a damn difference. Okay. okay. Does not make. And honestly, and so, I mean, the path, the funny thing is the path of the rating is, 49ers being this like Super Bowl contender, let's see what happens with Trey Lance. They have that game against the Bears, and therefore we have to drop their rating because they lost to the Bears. Yeah. And sort of were full value, if you will, for losing to the Bears. Mm -hmm. But we're also not going to take that much, uh, you know, uh, into account because that was a crazy game. And that's why we were on the value with the 49ers, even though it was, again, you know, people don't think of value as a favorite, but. You know, week two, sometimes that's the case. And so we were yeah. on the 49ers there. I remember talking you out of the Seahawks into your 49ers. Just, Correct. You know, a nice little L to a W there. And so now you go, okay, like, what? how does that change things? And honestly, I think it might be that people are moving the 49ers back up to that rating before Ooh. the season started, that Super Bowl contender rating, hmm. because obviously they were a Super Bowl contender last year. Because, again, we just talked about the Seahawks. I have two and a half points for home field advantage for the Broncos, right? These are locations that mm -hmm. I can actually have tangible reasons why one team plays better. Miami, Seattle, Denver. I don't have to go through why these locations are important. They we are, but, but you, you know, you've lived. Um, <laughs> so... Market standpoint, this is a ten a team that was a ten point favorite in the Broncos last week. They were a six and a half point road favorite last week. The number based on those two point spreads should make them a favorite here. They should be one and a half point favorites instead of one and a half point underdogs. So again, two weeks of Nathaniel Hackett doesn't know what he's doing. Russell Wilson's a cheese ball. We you know we can we love betting against him when we it's been can. more than two weeks of Russell Wilson's a well, cheese ball. Point, <laughs> but like yeah, the multiplication table of those two things sort of coming. You up set me together. up for that one. I'm sorry. I did. And you knocked it out of the park. And I'm proud of you for it. Um, I have this rated like the Broncos should be like a field goal favorite. That's not market. That's my impression gotcha. of these two teams in this situation. Now, because they're two and a half, they have two and a half points of home field advantage. That only means I think the Broncos are a half point better than the 49ers. Mm -hmm. And that only exists until we get George Kittle back into the lineup here. But the problem is for, for your 49ers here, if I think it should be minus three Denver before Kittle comes back, Mm -hmm. If Kittle comes back, that's not going to move me four and a half points to 49ers minus one and a half being at least a fair price here. Mm -hmm. Add in the whole Sunday night element, right? Like you could even go a little bit higher when it comes to point spread and all of that sort of thing. And, you know, you talked about like, you know what you're going to get with Jimmy G. Like, that's why I'm betting the Broncos. <laughs> Because no, I, I know what I'm going to get. I can't Jimmy. argue that point at all. <laughs> right? And it's going to be like, yeah, he looks great against bad defenses. And like when the timing's right. And like, you know, you know, what's our story? When Jimmy G has to think, it goes badly. Jimmy G is going to have to think against the Broncos pass rush in this You're making game. making me sad, man. And that's going to turn into a, an ill-advised turnover at some point that's going to cost them seven maybe 14 points, you know, something along those lines, right? That's going to be the problem. The Broncos are going to get this victory here 
on Sunday night, and it'll be sort of, it's going to be, I think, my fifth pick in the uh, Circa Millions contest. What those first four are, I don't really know, but this is going to be my last one because I don't have much of a feel for the Monday night game enough to back one of those teams or the other, but I think uh, you still want to talk about that game, I'm sure. You're making me sad, man. You're making me sad. So I'm just going to move on to the Monday nighter before the reality of the situation that the Niners are in for the rest of the season just hits me in full force. So we'll just move on. Monday night football, Cowboys at Giants. It's Cooper Rush's time. I believe in you, Cooper Rush. No, I don't really believe in you. But give me (laughs) the points and the Cowboys plus two and a half because these crappy NFC East matchups – I feel like I always just take the points, but also I'm not ready to buy the giants just yet. Feel good moments, feel good times. I get what's going on. You know, your man's is looking to be like a pretty good coach, pretty Mm -hmm. solid coach. At least he has the team motivated. He's minimizing the mistakes from Daniel Jones. I get all that, but I still need to see it more in a game that if you're the giants, you should, you should in theory be okay in this game against Cooper rush. But well, in the wise words of a famous New York man, we don't believe you, Giants. You need more people. So give me the Cowboys and your man's Cooper Rush. Yeah, let's do a little let's do a little fun with mathematics, right? Like we got there last week where it was like, okay, what you know, what do we think that the Cowboys are if they're if they're appropriately seven point underdogs at home to this Bengals team? Mm-hmm. And we like, if that's the case, they have to be 30 out of a hundred. Yeah. And we're like, Okay, we can keep saying Cooper Rush as if it's the same thing as Ben DiNucci or Garrett Gilbert yep. or like That's some the of these other dudes, right? But it's like, again, throw. as we mentioned last week, all we've ever seen out of Cooper Rush is like good quarterback play and wins. So, like, put some respect on your man's name. And meanwhile, we've talked ourselves into Dak Prescott as like the be all end all of quarterbacks. And like, anytime he leaves the game and there's, and we dare to replace him, we have to just dive bomb the team's rating from like high 50s into low 30s well i think at this point we can figure out here that cooper rush is actually a pretty decent serviceable backup quarterback i'm not saying we need to sign him for a hundred million dollar deal and like have him be the starting quarterback for some team i'm just saying like you could be in worse spots and a lot of teams would be in worse spots if they had cooper rush as their backup quarterback so now we go okay what does the if if they're not a 30 right because that was crazy and they're not a 58 which was where they were rated you know around where they were rated against that bucks team to start the season what is their number now that they've beaten the Bengals? let's just come up with one you know what i mean something in the 40s what do you like pick a number in the 40s shell 43 43 beautiful okay well if they're a 43 going on the road to the giants okay what do we think of the giants home field advantage Nah, nah, right? Like one, maybe one and a half, <laughs> basically below the sort of average number of 1.8, 1.9 that we're going to give a team. We're going to cook that all up into our little pot here. And what comes out, what comes out is Giants minus one in this game, right? But because mm. we still don't, you know, now Cooper Rush is going on the road and like, oh, the Giants are two and oh. And like, again, I watched, I painfully watched that game against the Panthers, you know, every second of it, every single play. (laughs) Again, kudos for the victory, but God, like 
A, that game could have gone either way. It probably should have gone to the Panthers. It's why I can't bet on the Panthers this week. That's how poor of a sort of, you know, development that that was for the Panthers last week. Like, this Giants thing is largely smoke and mirrors right now, right? Like, they're doing it without much of a, in the way of a pass rusher, without their two, you know, theoretical top pass rushers. Like, Saquon's doing work, but, like, the wide receivers, nobody knows who's good. Like, Kadarius Tony should be playing, but he's not really playing. You know, Gall- Galladay's atrocious. Like, what are we even really talking about here with Daniel Jones and these weapons? And so, yeah, like, I'd love three, but we're not going to get three. We're not going to get a full three on the Cowboys here. So this is another one where it's like, God, at plus two and a half, it does feel like one where you just kind of have to bite the bullet and yep. bet the uh, money line. But by the way, we've talked about a lot of plus two and a halfs here, a lot of kind of grimy plus two and a halfs. And Shell, what's the rule on the two and a halfs? Let's throw those together as plus eight and a half teases, right? Let's do some six point teases up to eight and a half on a game that's totaled under 40. Hmm. I mean, that's a perfect tease on. Doesn't mean it's going to catch. Teasers have been a little sketchy this year so far. But plus two and a half to eight and a half in this game with some of these other games. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have a lot of teasers tied to this game. I get it. I get it. I gotcha. And, you know, another great week of football, another great week of football picks. My guy, Mr. Matt Russell here, blessing us as always with the information education that we so crave during the NFL season. But of course, we know my guy hits us and blesses us with even more content. And where can the people find that online, my dude? Yeah, we don't even get to talk college football, but we do a couple of uh, articles per week on the score. Obviously, you can follow me at Emrus Authentic for basically retweeting anything that I re- write out over there. But download the score app. And obviously, if you're in Ontario, the score bet as well. Uh, and then set your alerts, man. Get in that, get into the app, get into bet mode and set your alerts so you get everything as soon as it comes out. That way you don't miss anything when it comes to pricing and line movement and all that good stuff. It is all good stuff, and it, we hopefully brought you all the good stuff. Winners, as we try to do each and every week. My name is Sheldon Alexander. You can find me online on Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Like, follow, subscribe, on blast, wherever you get your podcasts. And as I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the On Blast Podcast NFL Picks Edition, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, see ya. On blast.